Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Um, one of our purposes on earth is to establish God's rule in the hearts of people and to overthrow the power of the enemy. And uh, Satan hates it when we gather for prayer, don't you think? When God's people pray, and when we pray in unity and in faith, he trembles. And uh, we have a prayer summit once a month at 6 o'clock. It's about an hour and a half, uh, 6 o'clock, and that's tonight, 6 o'clock right here at the church. And um, you're all invited to come, and we have child care for that, but we need to know by 1 o'clock uh, how many kids we have. So then we know how many child care workers we need. So please, if I don't hear from you by 1 o'clock, uh, there may not be uh, enough uh, babysitting care uh, for you if you wish to come. So please let me know by 1 o'clock if you plan to come and you have children that need child care. So it's a privilege, as you've already heard, it's a privilege to have uh, Teen Challenge with us. Uh, we've had Teen Challenge here uh, off and on over the years. And uh, it's one of the things that's important um, in a church is to realize that there's... Um, other expressions of ministry uh, in the world besides what the local church can do. Um, and Teen Challenge is one of those. Uh, you might know the name David Wilkerson. He wrote a book called Cross and the Switchblade. Um, he started Teen Challenge in New York City in 1958. I think that's 61 years ago. And uh, now it's global. I think there's some independent Teen Challenge um, uh, chapters and so on as well. But what they do is they help people who are struggling with addiction. And it isn't just for teenagers, uh, right? It's still called Teen Challenge. But today we have Wing Eng, uh, who's going to be here. He's the team leader today. And he's going to come and speak, and he's going to introduce you to, I think, a, a couple of young men. His wife Marlene is here with him as well. But uh, Wing, it's great to have you, and it's great to have you fellas here as well, Marlene. And uh, Please uh, come and share with us uh, the Ministry of Teen Challenge. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Well, uh, good morning. Um, good morning. As the pastor said, my name is Wing, and uh, you can associate that with something that fly if you don't know what, uh, which wing it is. Um, but uh, I'm a retired engineer, and I volunteer at Teen Challenge. Um, I'd just like to start by uh, sharing a scripture from uh, Ephesians um, chapter 4. Uh, Verse 22, uh, it says, you were, you were taught, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> my, my, uh, the Bible just reset. <laughs> Maybe the Lord is speaking. <laughs> uh, it says that you were taught, uh, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. And I, to me, that summarizes what Teen Challenge tries to do, is uh, this transformation uh, through Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> since, like the pastor said, we've been here before, but uh, are there people who still haven't heard about Teen Challenge here today? Oh. One. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll get to know about it. Um, we are a 12-month faith-based uh, drug and alcohol rehab program. Um, and like the pastor said, we, we serve people from uh, 18 to 65 years old. Um, so the teen part of our name is a legacy thing. 
because Pastor David Wilkinson, when when he started Teen Challenge, he started to he started by for 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 ministering to the youth gangs in New York City. Um, there are nine men and women uh, centers uh, in Canada uh, under the banner of Teen Challenge Canada, and there are nine other independent centers um, in Canada as well. That uh, but the program is much the same, but they do not under administratively come under Teen Challenge Canada. Uh, it's usually by province, just, just so that there's no confusion. Uh, BC, Manitoba, and Quebec, they are independent. Uh, in, and in Ontario, there's a mix <laughs> of independent and Teen Challenge Canada centers. But uh, in any case, there are many more in the U.S. and uh, around the world as well. Um, I volunteer for Teen Challenge for the simple uh, reason that um, they are not trying to change any life by the program. Rather, uh, the focus is on Jesus Christ's transformation to make it available to, to the men that we serve, men and women that we serve. Um, <clears throat> we have an uh, addiction counselor, uh, but we do not focus on addiction. Uh, we just focus on helping the students to, to come to learn about Jesus Christ and his way of life. Um, the cause of substance abuse for those uh, who may be curious, in Alberta alone, and the latest statistics that they have published is in 2014, the cost in Alberta alone for addiction is $5.54 billion. That's a lot for a little province for us, like us. And across Canada, the cost is $38.4 billion. Um, in, in last year, 2018, there were 746 opioid-related deaths in Alberta. And that works out to more than two lives being lost every day of the year. And uh, that is why it's so urgent for some, something like Teen Challenge to help out. Um, there are many uh, rehab programs out there. Uh, most of them attain a success rate of 5 to 10%. And by success rate, I mean uh, people who go through those programs come out. Five years later, they remain addiction-free. Um, so that's a pretty low percentage. At Teen Challenge, um, our average is about 50%. Um, and depends on whether you look at it as a glass half empty or half full, it, it still doesn't, it doesn't sound like a big number, but uh, um, in the industry of rehab programs, it's considered very high. And so they even conducted studies about Teen Challenge, but only to attribute that to the Jesus factor and we're not ashamed of that at all. Um, from what I can see and understand, there's really no cure for addiction per se. These uh, narcotics, uh, especially the synthetic opioids today, are getting so powerful once you're hooked on it. Uh, it's chemically and, and, and physiologically, it's very difficult to get off of them. Uh, and we all hear about fentanyl these days. Um, you know, fentanyl is an actual medical drug developed um, to, uh, as a painkiller, uh, but it's so powerful that uh, just a few, equivalent of a few grains of salt of fentanyl is sufficient to kill an adult male or a person. Um, it's so powerful, in fact, that they, um, they use it as a tranquilizer for very large mammals like elephants. Um, that's how powerful it is, that, that, that 
in the, in the physical realm, that's what we're dealing with. But uh, I believe the only way to get off of these things is uh, through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Um, I see people get addicted because they're trying to fill voids in their hearts that they cannot fill, uh, to answer questions they cannot answer, to uh, solve problems they're trying to run away from, and also to numb the pain that they have inside of them. But these drugs cannot solve any of those problems, cannot heal our pains. They only numb us for a while. So it's only Jesus Christ that can truly heal us and deliver us. And that's what Teen Challenge strives to do, is to help our students to realize the transformation through Jesus Christ. Um, right now, I have a, a short video um, that uh, is one testimony, a powerful testimony from one of our graduates. So uh, I'll let you see that. Hard partying, drug using, bike riding, party animal. That's who I was. If you were to meet me 10 years ago, wow, you would have seen one mess of a person extreme crack addict and coke addict, lived the nightlife, slept all day. My home had become a crack house, so there was people coming in all the time just to get high. And police were visiting on a regular basis at least once a month for the two years I lived in that house. In October, I just accomplished something that, uh, you know, I really wanted to do in life, and I had succeeded at that, so I selfishly, you know, wanted to go and pick up some cocaine in my friends whose home I was visiting. They begged me not to go, and, and in my mind, I was, I was sober. I mean, I had drank and drove in much worse shape. Well, I got on my Harley, and uh, 15 minutes later, I went into a little S-bend, and I collided with a car, and it immediately removed most of my foot. of an eye, my life was altered forever. A friend of mine had uh, just done a couple years stint in prison, and uh, he came over and we were having a party at my house, and he told me the biggest lie in the world when he says, hey, you know, when you do coke, you're just wasting it, man. It ain't real until you feel the steel. I tried it that day, and my life was never the same since. When I was an addict, I was a functioning user, which meant that I could control everything in my life, even though I still needed the drugs. When I became a junkie, that's when I lost control. The need for the drug overcame everything else.
So here I am in this very low point of my life where I just wanted the world to stop and let me get off. And I wheeled my car into this empty parking lot and was reflecting on all the, all the poor choices I've made in my life and, and how much damage I've caused to myself and to my family. And I knew right there I did not want to live anymore. And I prepped this syringe with a lethal dose of cocaine and rolled up my sleeve and tied off. And as I was squeezing this plunger full of cocaine into my arm, and it was like, it was, it's like, what is going on? It's like it's plugged and I'm squeezing so hard that the plunger arm is bending. And I was frustrated and angry and I, punching the roof of my car and I was screaming at the top of my lungs and later on when I checked that syringe it wasn't plugged at all and when I reflect back now and look at that moment I, I knew that God was not done with me yet that he had something something more for me and he spared me that day. My mother uh, had to come and find me. My mother knew that I was really struggling and she came to tell me about this Teen Challenge program and explained a bit about it. And I didn't want anything to do with it, but uh, I knew I needed help. So she took me to her church where the Teen Challenge Choir was performing. And uh, that's, that was my first real introduction to Teen Challenge. My mother had said, you know, wait here, I gotta go do something. And two choir members came out named Marty and John and they shared their stories with me that day. And it was awesome to hear that these guys, their, their old lives mirrored my life what I was going through at that time. And I put myself on the waiting list that day to get into the Teen Challenge program. Transformation did not come overnight. You know, I, I was wrestling with myself, with the staff. I was dealing with issues of pride and guilt and shame and my year at Teen Challenge was a gradual thing and, and realizing, you know, the freedom in forgiveness to, to forgive others and accept forgiveness. But the hardest for me was to forgive myself for the things that I've done. And that year at Teen Challenge, I, I discovered that I didn't need to be macho Steve, that I could just be me without any drugs or alcohol. Since uh, completing the Teen Challenge program, I'm an ambassador for Teen Challenge. I'm currently at, at Bible College. I, I've met the love of my life uh, while I was there and uh, I've been married a little over a year now and we're expecting our first child soon. I've got that joy in here that uh, I couldn't find through the poke of a needle or at the end of a crack pipe or at the bottom of a bottle. You know, I have showed people the scars on my arms 
from the thousands of times I've stuck needles in them and collapsed veins. And, you know, I just thank God for, for a ministry like Teen Challenge uh, that uh, he used to give me my life back. So that's just one instance of uh, what Teen Challenge does. Um, I'd like to introduce the team that's with me today now. So can you uh, each uh, stand up and give your first name and how long you've been in the program, where you're from? Where are you from? So um, you're going to be hearing from them uh, shortly. Uh, so suffer with me a little bit. Um, when a student enrolls in our, in our program, he's committed to live on our premise for 12 months, away from their home and families, and uh, with uh, limited access to the outside world. Uh, for starters, they have to give up all their electronic communication devices, like cell phone, <laughs> that we all come to love or need. Um, that, that is not because we want to be mean or to punish them. Um, that's simply to provide a safe environment so that they can focus on why they're there for. Um, by the time a, a student graduated after 12 months, he would have prepared a uh, study report on every chapter of every book in the New Testament, short of Revelation. And uh, he would have also prepared a study report on a number of other Christian books. Uh, you know, some of us are better readers than others, so some of them do uh, a few and uh, others do doesn't. <laughs> so um, it ranges, but uh, they would have memorized a whole uh, number of uh, Bible scriptures as well. And they would have, uh, we have what they call a self-paced study program. And uh, that's a more of a topical kind of study, Bible study. And the students would do it at their own pace. And they would have done a whole range of that with uh, a whole bunch of character studies and so on, each one of them with homework to do. So it's a serious program. Um, the, the, each, uh, each weekday through the whole year, um, they start the day with personal devotion, and then they attend a chapel um, together, and then there's a classroom session, and then through the day, they would have their self-paced studies. Um, in the afternoon, they're not off the hook either, because in the afternoon, we have what we call uh, work therapy, uh, where the students are put to work in various ways. The, the, our center is pretty well self-sufficient um, because the students are doing all the yard work and they're doing all the domestic duties as well. Everything from cleaning toilets to cooking, they do. Uh, so they're pretty impressive. Uh, they usually keep it in pretty good shape. Um, well, they'd be told if they didn't. <laughs> so uh, in any case, uh, uh, sometimes we send out teams to... Uh, People hire us to, to do different things for them, like moving, help moving, or help do some yard work, that type of things. Um, because we're in Pritis, we have a lot of neighbors that are 
um, that have acreages that uh, need help as well. So that's the work therapy program. So literally um, in the weekend is the only kind of free, little bit of free time they have. Um, and the fruit of all that is to see them graduating after 12 months, a different person than when they first came in. Uh, on, our, on the bulletin board, we always post uh, a set of photographs of the students. Uh, one set is when they first came in, and then the other set is uh, after they've been there for, say, six months. Um, usually, they are quite dramatically different. Um, and uh, through the year, many students would uh, also choose to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and those are occasions that we celebrate. Um, currently, we, uh, in Prittis, we are a 12-bed facility only. And you can imagine that's not very much for the size of Alberta. Um, we have worked many years to try to get the MD of Foothills to grant us an expansion permit. Um, and uh, now we finally have it. And uh, we, embark we have embarked on the expansion project to 24 beds is what we are given permit for. So um, I have a few slides to show you the progress of the expansion. So um, next slide, please. This is the existing facility. Uh, you can see the two-story house on the, in the middle is the um, original building on that site. Uh, we were graciously given that plot of land there in uh, Prittis, down in the Prittis Valley, right by the Fish Creek. Um, so uh, that, that two-story building, the upstairs is a dormitory. There are three little rooms, uh, two, two bunk beds on, um, in the room, and uh, so four students to a room. Um, and there's only one bathroom. Uh, there are two toilets in the bathroom, but uh, still very congested. And that's not it. There, there are three other small rooms there for, for what we call the phase four students. Those are the students who graduated after 12 months and decided to sit, stay on for another six, uh, six months to to help out in the facility and also so to help them uh, transition back to the society. Um, the downstairs is the kitchen and eating area and, and the lounge. Uh, over the years, we added these trailers. The first one uh, to the right is the uh, uh, study area for the student and also the teacher's office. Uh, so each student has a little uh, cubicle uh, to study in. Um, and then there's a double wide trailer added uh, as the rest of the offices and also the classroom and chapel. Um, so it's a pretty austere and, uh, and it work, is very workable, but uh, it served us well through the years. Uh, the architect tell us that uh, really there's no, no point in trying to expand on that facility. So um, it's talk, we, we're talking about new build. Uh, next slide, please. So here it shows uh, early this year, uh, the foundation is laid, uh, has been laid for the new uh, buildings. There are two buildings, um, the new dormitory, and then uh, everything else is in the second building. Um, we are farther along now today. Uh, the, the whole foundation has been poured, and uh, actually the framing is up. So uh, next one, please. Okay, that's uh, the, the, the conceptual drawing of the two buildings. Uh, the next slide shows the floor plan. And you can see that in the dormitory building, uh, there's still going to be six rooms, so still going to be four students per room, but the rooms that actually will have, will have closets and things like that. And there are many more bathrooms and toilets. Uh, and then uh, the uh, phase four rooms are on the bottom side of that building, and uh, there are going to be six uh, phase four rooms there. 
Um, you can see that the other building is where everything else is. There's going to be a separate chapel area, separate uh, classroom and study area and all that. There's so, even going to be a gym. Most of these men, uh, really, gym is very important to them. So, so uh, right now, uh, if I show a picture of the gym to you, you may gasp. <laughs> so they're going to have a proper gym in the new building. So uh, anyway, um, the, the, building, the, the whole project is going to be five-point-some uh, million dollars. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, God has been faithful, and, and uh, we have raised uh, uh, over $4 million already. And so that's going to allow us to put up the building envelope this year. And hopefully early next year we'll be uh, uh, finishing the interior and all that. Um, so we ask that the, all those who want to support us to, to pray for us. Uh, we, we want this to be God's project, not a man's project. Uh, we want to continue to serve the community and to glorify God's name. So pray for us, please. And um, if you do have, uh, want to support us financially, that will be welcome as well. Uh, so I'm not going to take any more of your time. I'm just going to let the, the student tell you their story. So um, is it Ian coming first? Yep. Sorry, I'm usually a little more prepared than this, but... So, uh, good morning and hello, everybody. So, uh, yeah, my name is Ian. I've been in uh, Teen Challenge for, for eight months now. Uh, and I grew up in a Christian home uh, in England, which is where I spent most of my life. So I'm from England. So I was telling the truth when I said I'm from England. Um, so that's where I spent most of my childhood, was in England. Uh, we moved to Canada when I was about 13 years old. Uh, and I was a very high-strung child, and I would get into trouble for various things, you know, not sitting still in class, disrupting other students, or being a class clown. Um, I struggled a lot with anger issues and found it hard to get along with most of the teachers. So what I thought was hilarious and, and really funny, they, they quite often didn't find it funny. So, so as a result of this behavior, I got angry because I didn't understand why I was getting in trouble for having a bit of fun. So I was, uh, I was bullied and picked on quite a bit in boarding school, which is in England actually, which attributed uh, a lot more to my anger issues. Uh, my father was in the British military, so we moved around quite often so it made it quite hard to make a lot of uh, long-time friends. Uh, when we came to Canada, which was about when I was 13, uh, I was told by the school that I went to uh, that I wasn't allowed back unless I was put on medications and took counseling. Um, so I got kicked out, and then part of the agreement was medicated and counseling. Um, so I was tested for ADD and ADHD, and I was put on medications and had to do counseling. So while taking <clears throat> these medications, I fell into a, a downward spiral of feeling sad, and uh, which turned into depression, which I didn't understand uh, at that time in my life as a kid. Um, so as a result of this uh, and these feelings that I was going through, um, 
you know, I came, I figured I'd just take more of my medication than I was supposed to in an attempt to, to end my life. Uh, I was about 14 when I came to this decision. So, <clears throat> sorry about that. So this stuff didn't kill me, but it made me not have to feel the way that I felt. So it kind of blocked out my emotions. Um, so by the age of 15, I was abusing my medications every day, and I was now, I guess you would say, addicted to it. So I started smoking, which began after I tried uh, a prime time with some friends. And I was drinking here and there, but nothing too serious. When I was 16 years old was the first time that I actually got drunk. Um, and I was smoking weed here and there, smoking, abusing my meds every day um, at this point. So when I was 18 is when I actually cleaned up for a bit. I cleaned up for about eight months or so. Um, but I was still drinking in, in between that eight months. Um, but I, I didn't think I had a problem with alcohol at this point. It's kind of what I, I thought and convinced myself it wasn't a problem. Uh, I got fired from a job for reasons that I felt were, were unjust and started using all over again. But this time it got worse and I isolated from people. So I was alone when I was doing this. So I would drink and use alone now. Yeah. I had a lot of anger in my heart toward my father because when I was younger, I just felt that he, he didn't understand what I was going through and my struggles. Um, yeah. And we got, into, we got into some fights when I was younger and I just I hadn't forgiven him with how these often ended. Um, so I also had a lot of bitterness toward my, my sister as well. Uh, mainly because when we came to Canada, we were basically um, enemies and always at each other. But in England, we were inseparable and best friends. So I didn't understand why she turned on me. Uh, but yeah, I chose to forgive my, my father for the past. Uh, but it's only, been through, it's only been through God's grace in my heart that, uh, that the Lord has removed these walls of anger and bitterness. Um, I didn't forgive my sister until a little later until I was about 22, uh, but I did, and as I said, only through God working through my heart that I was able to do it. Um, then I slowly began to trust her again, and now I look back and I realize that I was, uh, I was wrong to be so bitter and twisted uh, with anger in my heart for so long. So yeah, as I said, it took a lot of prayer and seeking the Lord for me to finally forgive. So I found Christ on my own when I was almost 18. I think I was about a day away from 18. And I was actually in a drunk, in a drunk tank in a holding cell. And I made a deal with the Lord. I had, it was only one day I was going to spend in jail, but it was still a charge. And I said to the Lord, if you deliver me, I'll follow you. And he delivered me the next day, and I chose to follow him. So I got baptized when I was 19 around there uh, and I was trying to be more involved with church ministry and an active member of my church um, but I found it quite hard to do this because I was still living the life I was living so I wasn't fitting in in the world but I also wasn't fitting in in the church so I felt like I was sorry my lips are dry so I felt like I was being judged and condemned for my lifestyle choices so when I was in my 20s, 
which I still am. Yeah, I know, hard to believe, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, I was struggling with uh, deep periods of depression and anxiety. So I was drinking and using, drinking and using my medications in binges. So an addict and an alcoholic at this point. Um, I tried to take my life and I was almost successful when I was 24 years old. Um, I landed in a psych ward for observations and options for mental health treatment. Uh, so my mental health was, was getting a lot worse, and I, I couldn't see a way out, so my conclusion was, you know, let's go for it and see what happens, and I ended up surviving, so here we are. Um, which was a God thing, by the way. Um, I know, I, I ramble, sorry. So yeah, mental health was getting worse. Uh, when I was 25 years old, it was the first time I used crystal meth. Um, which I actually found was quite similar to the substances I was already addicted to. Actually, very similar, actually. Um, so I was a binge drinker as well, so as I said, alcoholic addict. Um, ended up on the streets for about eight months in total. Uh, and once again, I was, I was heading down that path uh, quite strongly with my addictions, um, but the difference between the other times and this time was I was going to be successful in taking my life. So there was, it was either treatment or death. That's kind of the two options. So yeah, I knew I needed, a, I knew that I needed to go to treatment. So I've actually known about Teen Challenge for quite a while, for roughly 10 years. Uh, because when I was younger, some of the students actually came to my home church. Um, and I got to know them, and I was able to relate to them, open up to them. So. And they kind of taught me a little bit about what Teen Challenge was. So that was pretty cool. Um, but it took a long time for me to get here. Anyway. Um, so I like Teen Challenge a lot more than other places that I've been at because I went to another place before here, which is the Calgary Dream Center, actually. Which is, it's a fantastic program, and it is a good place. Lots of resources and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just not, A, it's not long enough, and B, there's no real Christ focus. It's kind of just an idea of, you know, if you're a Christian, that's cool, but if you're not, follow whatever God you choose, um, which wasn't what I needed, right? So I chose Teen Challenge because, as I said, it is a strong Christian program, and we get to, uh, I find it a privilege to be able to study the Word of God every day and, you know, grow in understanding of what it means to be a Christian and what the God is that I serve actually is. Um, so yeah, we get to have our daily devotions and all that stuff, which is really awesome. So since I've been in Teen Challenge, the Lord has changed my heart from being a very, uh, a very selfish, self-absorbed individual into one that actually wants to change. So I am looking forward to the rest of my year here, which is getting closer and closer. Um, and I know and I'm confident that God has a lot more work to do in me yet. Uh, I know my relationship with God is being restored each and every day. So what Satan, tried, what Satan tried to destroy, God is now restoring it all. Um, yeah, so my favorite verse uh, is Philippians 4.13, which I'm sure everybody or most people would know. It says, um, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the reason why this verse is important to me is because it's reminding me 
Christ is doing it, not me. Um, and I know that without his help, it's just not possible. Um, so yeah, he's helping me to make those positive changes in the right direction. And just before I do my final close, I'd actually like to read a psalm to you all. My favorite psalm. So it's Psalm 23, which I'm sure most of you may already know it, but here we go. So it's the Lord, the shepherd of his people. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, yeah. So thank you all for listening to me ramble on in my testimony. And, um, yeah, thank you for any uh, spiritual or financial support that you do provide to Teen Challenge because uh, without this support, it just isn't able to do what it does in changing women and men now, both, uh, changing the lives of women and men that it does today. So thank you all once again. Thank you, Ian. Um, we do these uh, outreaches for two reasons. First is to get the word out, to tell people about us, that we are available to help them. So if anyone knows of anybody who is uh, struggling with addiction, please come to our table in the foyer after the service, and uh, we can uh, certainly answer your question. And uh, also, the, you can talk to the students as well. Um, and we have other pamphlets that you can take with you as well. So um, the second reason is that uh, the, we are self-funded. We choose not to take government money uh, so that we do not get detracted from our focus on Jesus Christ who enable us to do what we do. Um, so these outreaches is one of the means to raise financial support with the program, for the program. Uh, our program costs $50, around $50,000 per person for the year. And this, it's a lot of money, but... Uh, uh, many of these men and women that come, when they came, uh, they literally came with nothing. And so through that year, we supply literally just about everything, all the food, um, sometimes even clothing and personal items. And uh, we also supply all the study materials and all that. And the center is uh, uh, supervised 24-7. Uh, so all that costs money. And we have a... Um, uh, student sponsorship program that uh, engaged the, the supporters in a meaningful way. Uh, and uh, I know some of you have supported us that way before. Can, can we have a show of hands on how many people have sponsored students already? Or uh, still sponsoring? No? Okay. Well, um, you can participate in that program today if you're so moved. Um, it costs uh, $40 a month uh, for the year or $480 one time. Uh, to sponsor a student. Um, this is a sponsorship card for Ian that you just heard, and got his photograph and uh, also a short form of his story on there. And uh, 
when you sponsor a student, you will be receiving this card. Um, if you want to do that, um, when you receive, you, I think most of you have received this pamphlet when you came in. Uh, if you haven't, we have more on the table. Um, on the back leaf of that pamphlet is the form that you fill out to sponsor a student. Um, so fill that out. On the back side are the, uh, is, are the payment options. Uh, so you can fill that out and uh, please bring it to the table and we will uh, register you and give you the, uh, the sponsorship card. Um, besides a card, you'll be receiving the quarterly uh, update letters from the student uh, through the year. Uh, the students are not free to contact you through the year, so uh, these quarterly uh, letters are the means to give uh, sponsors a feedback. Uh, on the other hand, the sponsors are encouraged to, to write to the student um, anytime they wish, um, you know, with an encouraging word or sharing a story or sharing a, a scripture and so on. Um, I've seen students who were literally having a really bad day and uh, they receive a sponsor's letter that can turn their day around. Uh, many students, when they leave, they would carry away a box of these letters that they cherish. Uh, some sponsors also send care packages through the year as well. Uh, and of course, they, the students really like that. <laughs> um, especially Christmas time, right? But uh, at the end of the year, uh, the, all the sponsors are invited to the students' graduation usually held in a church, a local church somewhere. And um, uh, after the ceremony, there's a fellowship time, and all the students will be there, and all the staff will be there, and you can uh, certainly talk to uh, any of them at that time. Um, so it's usually a very good time. So um, anyway, now I'm going to let Luke tell you his story. Uh, hello, my name is uh, Luke. Like I said, I was um, I was uh, 20. I'm 27 right now. I'm from British Columbia, a little little reserve on a mountain. Uh, my both my parents they were uh, they were born and raised as orphans in an orphanage. Uh, they've never gotten adopted. They were uh, they were just traveling orphanage to orphanage to orphanage all over the country. And uh, eventually they met in the orphanage. They stuck it out with each other, got married, had five kids. I'm, I'm one of those five. Uh, my parents tried to raise me and my brothers and sisters as, as good as they could for the knowledge they had, right? You know, they never had parents of their own and they tried raising me the best they could and I'm very proud and grateful for that. And, uh, but uh, they had their own, their own little bit of issues sometimes, right? You know, uh, my, uh, my mother, she, throughout her whole life, she never had a, a family, she, and she gained this um, disability uh, disorder, it's a multiple personality disorder. I could fight through all the names and tell you all of them, but uh, I'd rather not. Um, She's uh, her name right now is uh, is Cindy, and she's a newborn Christian, which is uh, an unbelievable unbelievable blessing in my life and everybody else's. 
and uh, my father, uh, he had his um, problems as well. He was uh, a very big alcoholic and uh, co cocaine addict, and uh, that's how he went through his, his, his problems and covered up his problems in his life. Um, he, uh, our family was, uh, we, were, we were always working in a mill, like a lumber mill, all our lives. My dad's uh, worked there for 45 years. My mother's getting on up to 20 years. I've worked there for four or five years. My brother's been working there eight years. All my sister's been done two or three years at, this, at these mills. Um, and uh, the mill has supported us uh, very graciously and uh, helped us out with our family a lot, and I'm very grateful for that as well. Um, but, you know, um, I'd say right when I was about nine years old is when my my daddy booted me into the mill and said, you got to start providing money for the family to keep the family running and going. And so I, I did. It gave me a good work ethic at a young age, and I'm very grateful for that as well, right? You know, get those, get the nose to the grindstone, uh, the hands in the dirt kind of deal. And, uh, and then as well, my, my mother uh, homeschooled my whole family for, major for the majority of the time. Uh, so if I wasn't, if I wasn't working, at, working at the mill, I was at home trying to learn school. Uh, and then I'd say right around 12 years old is when I, uh, I started picking up the bottle myself. I, uh, I saw my dad drunk on, the, drunk on the couch with the 60 pounder, you know, right there, cap open, and I saw my, my alcoholic dog walk over to that 60-pounder and knock it over with his nose and start drinking. So I, might, I, I told myself, I was like, well, might as well join the dog and start drinking with him, right? So it's me and my dog Pete getting, having fun, I guess. But um, that, you know, that started, that started it all off. And then when I was about 14 years old, the government, uh, found me and my little sister uh, on the reserve and they, sn they snuck right in and they took me and my little sister away from the family I knew and loved uh, and all I knew. And because uh, they, they thought my, my family wasn't a reasonable family to raise children and to, so they took me and my little sister away. I was 14, my little sister was 12. Uh, and they put us to the nearest town, uh, which was Abbotsford, and they put us in an apartment building with no social worker, nothing. They called it independent living. And they gave us the money for rent for this apartment, and this apartment wasn't a, wasn't a nice apartment. It was just, it was full of pedophiles, drug addicts, drug dealers. And I have to look out for my little sister throughout these, these moments. And they're knocking on the door, wondering why these young guys, young people, are living in this place by themselves. So uh, the government never gave us enough money. They said, just figure out how to get to school. We, I figured it out. I, I thought uh, I was either 
quit going to school or get back to the mill and start working for some money. I wanted to graduate. I wanted to um, uh, get my grade 12. I wanted my little sister to graduate as well. So uh, it was either, in my eyes, I thought it was only selling drugs or at school or going back to the mill, and I sadly took the easy way out. I started, started selling drugs at school to stay in school. And uh, with that, gang life does happen. You get to know bad people, and people, those bad people want you to do rotten things. And, uh, but eventually I did, I did graduate, and uh, with my little sister, I got ha held back a couple of years. But it's always, it was good to walk this across the stage with my little sister. Um, and then after I graduated, I just went back to the mill, back to the grindstone, back to work. But then I eventually didn't want to work at the mill. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be something different from, from the rest of my family. So I, I quit that mill, and I went to working with steel. And uh, I started working in a metal, uh, a metal shop, structural steel metal fabrication shop. Uh, and I worked hard. They saw that. They gave me an apprenticeship for being a structural steel fabricator. So I went to BCIT Vancouver for a few years and got a few tickets for that, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and, uh, but at this time, my, my father was going through hard times and I, I felt like I needed to move, move in with my father. And my father was living in a very rough house out in Surrey, uh, BC. I felt like moving in with him and uh, trying to take care of him. I wanted to see him happy. And sadly, the only way I saw him happy was either drunk or high. And I felt like I needed to support his addictions. And I did, sadly. And, uh, but the, the mill saw my, the, the boss of the mill, Tom Jones, saw my father drinking at work, getting, getting high at work, 15 beers at work and bumping coke on the side, right? And, uh, Tom Jones went up to my father and said, you know, Keith, you can't, you can't be, you're a hard worker, but you can't be uh, drinking, drinking and doing coke on the job. You're a bad example for the rest of the new guys coming in. And uh, so my, uh, Tom, my, my old boss, Tom Jones, um, gave him a chance. My dad didn't take that chance. He said, I've been working for you for 45 years. You're not firing Keith Warner. Right? And, uh, but so my dad didn't take it seriously, and my old boss was serious, so he fired my, my father. And my father didn't know nothing but the mill. So uh, when he got fired, he thought he had nothing left, sadly. So he, uh, he got good, good and drunk and high, and he climbed the, to the top of that mill, and rung the noose and jumped off the edge. And uh, success, you know, he's got his point across, I guess. But life happens. And uh, I went through a downward spiral at this time. I was already doing drugs and drinking, but I was very angry and sad that my father did this. And uh, so I went into deeper drugs. I went to heroin. I went to... 40s to 60 pounders, I, you know, more beer, everything, right? And uh, 
And um, at this time, I gained uh, this disease. It's called uh, epilepsy. I started having these grand mal seizures after, after this from all the stress and all the drinking and all the drugs. And I started having these grand mal seizures, going to the hospital every day. And my work didn't like that as well, so I got let go from the job I was working at because I wasn't there. I was in the hospital losing my mind. And uh, after that, um, I'd say, you know, I've, yeah, uh, after that, I guess I, I actually did try, try, ending, try ending my life. I was uh, walking down walking down the streets of Surrey from walking, going back to the trap house I was living at. And uh, I had a, a full syringe in my pocket. I had the 60-pounder in my, in my right hand. And I just, uh, I, I found the tracks of Surrey, and I laid my life down on those tracks, waiting for the light to hit me. Uh, and uh, so I filled my veins up with what I had, and I was drunk, and I passed out on those tracks. And uh, apparently, this, this elderly man, scruffy, scruffy-looking man, I'll tell you, uh, pulled me off those tracks while I was having a grand mal seizure on those tracks. And he slapped me out of the seizure. And he said, what the heck are you doing? Look like a young man that's got a future, and you're losing your mind on the tracks. And I just woke up, and I was very angry at him. I said, you... You ruined my plans on seeing my daddy sooner. And uh, we had a big, long conversation. I was yelling. I was doing the yelling. He was doing the talking. And he walked me back to the trap house I called home. And uh, right when I got there, I know, like this was a two-hour walk. I never even asked him what his name was. That's how ignorant and arrogant I was at this time. And when, I, when he brought me to my house, I just... Slammed the door, didn't even let him in, didn't save my life, didn't even let him in. Said, forget you, and walked away. And if I did let him in, I pro he probably would have faded away. That guy was an angel, I swear to you. But uh, I just turned around, went back to the cupboard where my drugs were and where the booze was, and kept on drinking and seizure. And, and then about a year later happened. Um... I, had a, I have a foster uncle that went through this Teen Challenge program, and he, and it's a, and success. He's uh, he's off the booze. He's off the drugs. He's got his seven children back. He's got his, he's got his farm back. He's got his beautiful wife back, and uh, he found me seizuring in a hospital. I don't know how he found me. <laughs> he found me in a seizuring in a hospital, and he. He knew I was going through hard times, and I woke up to his ugly mug this close to my face. And he says, you're going to Teen Challenge. I was just like, well, I got nothing left on my way, right? So um, that, that's how I found Teen Challenge. <laughs> uh, and uh, so he let, me, he let me stay at his house for about a month uh, working on his farm, which, is, uh, which I'm very grateful for. And then I, when I walked into those Teen Challenge doors, was, I was still ignorant, arrogant, prideful, a big sad face on my face, right? And 
And then I just, I, I walked into Teen Challenge. I saw these guys jumping up and down, praising the Lord, you know, in chapel, like singing the songs. And I was like, what the heck are these guys doing? Like, what the heck? But, you know, it was just, it was contagious. I had to join in, right, you know? Saw me jumping up and down with the Lord now. And, uh, and was, uh, I'm just so grateful for what the Lord has taught me, what Jesus has done for me. I can't believe, I couldn't believe it. I never knew until, until I walked through those doors of Teen Challenge. And, uh, you know, it's not just the staff helping you. It's the, it's the fellow students that help you, right? You, you're going through hard times. That guy's like, I, I know, I know, and he, he knows, right? And he says, stand up and, and let the Lord, and, you know, walk the straight and narrow and, let, let the Lord direct you, right? And uh, take it one step at a time. And, uh, yeah, that's how I found Team Challenge, and that's a good part of my life. Uh, I'd say the, my favorite verse is 1 Corinthians. And I'm on my way out of Team Challenge. I've only got... Two, like two weeks left and Teen Challenge has taught me so much and I, I, I am very grateful for this program. It has taught me unbelievable amounts of, of knowledge and wisdom. You just got to let, let the Lord work through you. Break that, chip away that, that rock, heart, hard heart, right? And open yourself up and let that, let, let that light shine. But uh, my first, my favorite verse personally is 1 Corinthians uh, 12 or 13 12 yeah 13 12 I'm sorry it says uh, for now we see things imperfectly like a puzzling reflection in a mirror but then we will see everything perfect in perfect clarity all that I know now is partial uh, and, and incomplete but then I'll know everything just like a, just like God's, God knows me just as God knows me completely, right? And uh, what I get out of that is it's okay not to know everything right here, right now. You know, I'm asking questions. I'm wondering why. And I'm wondering why I'm not getting the answers now. It's in the Lord's time, not my time. I have to wait on that Lord. That's what I got to do. And be content with where I am right now. And uh, that's what I get out of that verse. And... Uh, May I pray? Thank you, Lord, for letting me witness in front of this group of amazing people that are willing to open their ears. Thank you, Lord, for letting me wait, wait for you. Thank you for giving me that patience because I never had that before, Lord. And thank you. For, I even got a brother. I even have a brother that went to Teen Challenge now. He's, he found that path, and he's sobering up. It is moving in the family. And thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, thank you, Luke. Yes, God is good. And um, I'm just uh, really glad to be a part of the program in some small way. Um, 
But anyway, um, you heard Luke. He's graduating in two weeks, and we're celebrating with him. Uh, so we're no longer looking for sponsors for him. <laughs> Not that you're done, Luke, but uh, anyway, there are the other students you need. And I have a sponsorship card for Joel. Um, we're looking for a sponsor for him today, too. So uh, again, uh, you have that pamphlet. Or if you don't, uh, we have some on the table. Uh, you can fill out the form if you're interested in sponsoring Joel. So uh, that's the program. Uh, we thank you very much for having us again. And uh, we really appreciate it. Um, may God bless you. And I'll turn it back to the pastor. And to uh, Ian and Luke. It's quite a Bible you got there, Luke. <laughs>